0: Welcome each one to our service this evening. And we're going to turn in our hymnals to hymn 248. 248, a marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. 248, and we'll stand as we worship and praise the Lord tonight. Seated. We're going to turn in the Word of God this evening to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll commence at verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, commencing at verse 17. And here the Word of the Lord says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, In him, Amen. And may the Lord bless uh, the reading of his uh, precious word uh, this evening. And may we as the Lord's people rejoice that he was made sin for us, uh, the one who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let us unite together in prayer and let us seek the Lord. <coughs> our eternal God and our Father in heaven, We give Thee thanks tonight that we can be found afresh in Thy presence. We thank Thee we can spend this day in worship of Thee, that we can come together a second time on Thy day to meet with Thee. And we thank Thee, O God, that we can lift our voices to Thee in praise. And we thank Thee for Thy grace, a grace that is greater than our sin. And we rejoice, O God, tonight that as we come and worship thee, and we do so on the foundation of our great rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for him who loved us and gave himself for us. We thank thee that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who died for us, who gave himself for us, who paid that ransom for us. We rejoice that we are his redeemed people. And Father, tonight as we come and consider afresh the glorious gospel of our Savior, we pray that we would know thy presence here with us, that as we gather in thy name and that thy spirit would work in our midst. And Father, we pray that each one here would have that testimony and that experience, that saving experience, that they trust in Christ, that their sins have been forgiven, and that all is well with their souls because of the Savior. And Father, tonight as we come and continue in worship, we pray that Thou would bless us here as Thy people. Thou knowest our needs. And we pray that Thou would meet us at the point of our need, that we know that grace from Thee, that help, that strength. And we do remember our brother Vern this evening. Remember the Hanson family. Father, bless them, we pray, and meet our brother's needs, that he would... Know thy strength and thy presence. And we pray, Father, for others also who need thy help. We do remember our listeners online. And uh, we pray, Father, that where they may be, that thou would be with them and bless them. And may they know uh, the nearness and the presence of their God. Father, we remember our radio ministry also. And as thy truth goes out across the radio waves Uh, throughout this week and into next Lord's Day. Uh, Bless thy word. Uh, May it not return unto thee void, but may it accomplish thy purpose. And Father, that is what we pray for, the preaching of thy word. We do remember our sister congregations and those places also where thy word is faithfully proclaimed. Uh, Bless it, we pray, uh, to that end, that it would not return unto thee void. May we cling to this promise. May we rejoice in it. And That as we come and preach the Word of God, it is not uh, a wasted time uh, because we are preaching the eternal truth, uh, the Word of the living God, that truth that thou hast inspired. Uh, But yet, uh, we cling to that promise that it will not return unto thee void, but it will accomplish thy purpose. Father, use thy Word this night as it is preached even in uh, this province. Use thy Word tonight. Use thy word for the furtherance of thy kingdom. Use thy word to glorify thy name. Use thy word, O God, to save precious souls. We consider what we uh, looked at this morning regarding uh, prayer and evangelism. And we pray that would give us that desire to evangelize, to reach out with the gospel of Christ, but to pray. And may we be a praying people, praying for our own methods of evangelism. Praying, Father, for others who seek to minister to those in need and seek to reach out with the gospel of Christ. We do remember our denomination and our works here in Canada and in America and in Mexico. And we do remember the Dominican Republic and Jamaica and Liberia and the Czech Republic. And Father, these places where we have servants of thine who are faithfully serving thee and holding high. Uh, the great message of the gospel of Christ. Bless, we pray, meet each need. And Father, may we continue, uh, like the church in the New Testament, having that boldness, that confidence, not only a confidence in the message, uh, but a confidence to preach the message that Jesus Christ alone is the way of salvation. And our Father, we think of this month and at the end of this month, Mark's, Another year uh, as we reflect upon the uh, Reformation and what took place there in uh, 1517. We think of Martin Luther uh, who took a stand. Little did he know uh, what would happen uh, because of that stand that he took. Uh, We thank thee, Father, that uh, he was instructed in thy truth, uh, that he knew thee, and that he desired to preach the truth of the gospel of Christ. We thank thee for others as well, who held fast to that truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, the only means by which we can be justified. And we even thank Thee that today we have the freedom to preach such a gospel because it is the true gospel and because Thou didst use these men back in those days. Father, may we be ever mindful of the great history and heritage we have as a church and as a denomination. But we realize that such an heritage cannot save; it. it cannot change the state of sinners. But yet, as we look at thy word, we see that ye must be born again. And Father, as we think on this theme again, after considering last week how Nicodemus despite his learning, despite his religion, still needed to hear the message of the gospel, we pray that as we rejoice and thank thee for a blessed heritage of gospel truth, that those who are outside of Christ would not be relying on these things, but they would be relying upon the Savior, the one who did say to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Father, may each of us know Within our hearts, that great truth, the outworking of that truth, that ye must be born again. May we know the Savior, and may he be central within our lives. Father, bless us as we continue in thy worship. Beat our needs this night, give us grace, speak to us through thy truth. And Father, glorify thy name, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Going to turn again in our hymnals, the hymn 522. 522, 522, tastes so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. 522, will stand as we sing.
1: Who to trust me.
0: Seated. We're turning in the Word of God tonight to John's Gospel, chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. And commencing to read at verse 1. We considered the first two verses last Lord's Day, introducing ourselves to Nicodemus and who he is. And, of course, he came to the Savior. The Savior responded to him and taught him in the gospel and in the ways of God. And despite his religion, despite his faith, he was taught the gospel because he needed to hear the gospel. And he needed to know the truth of God that could save his soul. And so the Savior taught him, and we're coming this evening to consider uh, verse 3 and a little further on down this passage as well. Uh, But we'll read from verse 1, and the Word of God says, John's Gospel, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old, and can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily I say unto thee, And we speak that... We do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Amen. We'll end our reading, verse 13, trusting the Lord will bless it tonight for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. do extend a word of welcome to each one this evening to those who are visiting with us. Uh, We especially welcome you and trust you'll feel at home tonight as we gather around the Lord's Word and as we uh, worship him. Do remember the various meetings uh, through the rest of the week. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, there is a session and board meeting. As we said uh, this morning, there was a mistake made uh, regarding the times. Uh, I put two times in, and then I thought I should check uh, with the men. And I uh, did check with one man. I didn't get back to the bulletin and forgot all about it and printed it before I realized that I had checked the time. And so uh, the session meeting tomorrow night is at 6.30 p.m., and then the board meeting uh, will follow at 7.30. Uh, so 6.30 and 7.30. And ignore the times that we have in the bulletin. On Wednesday, uh, we have our Bible study and prayer meeting. And uh, we meet on Zoom as well. So if you don't have that link, uh, then do uh, speak uh, to us. On Saturday, 8 a.m., we have our men's prayer breakfast. Uh, So do, uh, men uh, come along and attend and have a time uh, where we can uh, have a devotion and prayer and fellowship uh, together. Services next Lord's Day are there in the bulletin, the usual times, 9.30 for the Sunday school for children and adults, 10.30 for the morning worship, 5.30 the prayer meeting, and 6 p.m. uh, the evening worship. So do remember uh, those times of worship and do endeavor to come and to meet with us. The Toronto Free Presbyterian Church have an online women's Bible study, and that starts Tuesday the 31st of October at 4 p.m. Pacific time, and uh, dealing with uh, lessons from the Message on the Mount. And if uh, you are interested, there is an email address in the bulletin. You can contact Toronto, or you can speak to uh, Susan here, and she can pass on those login details Uh, for you. Uh, These are all uh, the announcements, the subject to the will of God, and we're going to turn in our hymnals to hymn 267. 267, while our tithes and offerings for the Lord's work are received, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. We'll remain seated while our offerings are lifted, please. God and Father, we ask that you would meet with us this evening. We thank thee, Lord, for thy Holy Spirit, which can teach us and touch us, and we ask that you would come and meet with us, each one in the pew, that you would speak to our hearts. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, that we can know him and love him, and we ask that you would increase that love within us, take our tithes, take our offerings, that you would use them so the gospel message may go forth, and we also pray that you would bless our pastor, that you would give him the words to speak, that you would give him joy in preaching the gospel news, and we ask that you'd be with each one here, be with us on our way home, that we may rejoice in the knowledge of our Savior, and we ask it in his precious name, amen. Amen. We'll stand to sing verse number 5, 266 verse 5, when this perlispering stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. Stand to sing verse 5 please. to turn again in the Word of God to John's Gospel, chapter 3. John's Gospel, chapter 3, and we'll read uh, verse 3 again, and the Word of God says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this evening. Let us unite together in prayer and let us seek the blessing of the Lord. Eternal God and Father in heaven, we thank thee tonight for thy precious word, and we rejoice in it. We thank thee, O God, that we can and look unto thee, and thou art the only saviour, and thou art the only living and true God, and tonight as we come to consider thy word afresh, we pray for thy blessing to be upon us, we pray for thy grace and thy help. And, Father, we pray for strength, strength physically. We pray for spiritual strength. We pray, O God, that Thou would minister to our souls and to our hearts and apply the truth of God, Thy truth, to our hearts. Father, move in hearts, we pray. Move in the hearts of those who do not know Thy Son as their Saviour. Redeem them, we pray. Do our work tonight, we ask of thee. Glorify thy name, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. In discussions that we have with others in society, often we see that things aren't quite so black and white as we originally thought them to be there are gray areas and maybe things that are open, things open themselves up to different interpretations. Uh, But there are things in society that we can see that are not dogmatic and should not be dogmatic and we should not be dogmatic upon them. However, there are other things within society on which we are compelled to take a dogmatic position. And there we have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we cannot afford as individuals and as the church to misinterpret that gospel or to misrepresent that gospel. It is a soul-saving gospel. It is the good news of salvation, the greatest news that this world could ever hear. And there is one way of salvation. There is one message of the gospel And therefore, as the church, we must get it right. We must get it right. And in this chapter, the Lord Jesus Christ affirms the necessity of regeneration to Nicodemus, being born again by the Spirit of God. And notice what the Savior says in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verily, verily, this is, the Savior is saying, a true word, a faithful word. Come and listen. Your soul must listen to what is being said, for it is faithful and true. And the Savior here is speaking as the great prophet of his church and the one who has that great message of salvation to declare. And he is declaring it to Nicodemus, a man who was highly educated in the scriptures. He was religious. He came to the Savior, as we saw, last Lord's Day, and the Savior responded, and he responds instantly. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was inquisitive. That is why he came to the Savior, and the Savior speaks to him. He knows he did not have spiritual life, and the Savior seeks to in part to Nicodemus, the great need of that spiritual life. That he would understand what it is about. He would understand, despite his education and his knowledge of Scripture, his religious faith, that he would know the need of this salvation. And the Lord Jesus Christ, in these verses, confronts a problem that is found within the heart of Nicodemus. The same problem that is found in the heart of Of every man, every woman who has walked upon this earth. The age old problem of sin. And sin must be dealt with in order for man to be reconciled unto God. And the Lord Jesus here in verse 3 and moving down this passage. Emphasizes something of great importance. An imperative. An imperative. And what is an imperative? It is something that we must do. If the fire alarm went off this evening, and there's a red thing at the back, I assume that's the fire alarm, and if it goes off, I've never heard it, but if it goes off, what am I to instruct you to do? You must get out of here. You must leave and go to the exit. We don't know what may or may not be happening in the building, but when the alarm goes off, we make our way to the exit. Hopefully not screaming and running But in a calm, collected manner, we leave. We must leave. And so the Savior here is saying to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in verse 7, he says, ye must be born again. This is something that must be done. Something that must be done. There are churches today that deny the marvel and the mystery of this new birth. They deny that you must be born again. All will be saved. We don't need to worry about the new birth or the gospel or believing that or living for Christ. Ye must be born again. I interrupted on some occasions church services when I heard these words. I'm not suggesting tonight that you interrupt the church service, uh, but when I was very young, two, three years of age, I remember being told that this happened, that whenever the preacher came to these words and he said, "Ye must be born again, I was young, I had picked up on my parents' instruction, I had recognized those words and of course I shouted back the words of the preacher at him. He shouted, you must be born again and as a young child, two or three years of age, I shouted back at him. And so I was preaching on these words and this imperative uh, long, uh, long before I ever entered into the pulpit. I don't suggest that you start shouting those words back at me tonight, uh, but uh, that's what I uh, was told uh, that I did when I was very young. And of course, it's good for children to understand what these words mean and to understand that the Savior here is speaking of a new birth, of being born again, of being changed. By the Spirit of God. And so tonight I want us to consider the imperative of the new birth. The imperative of the new birth. And it is a command. That is what an imperative is. And uh, we see, firstly, it is a command that is vitally important. A command that is vitally important, or a command that is the most important command that you could ever obey. A command that we ought not to set aside but a command that we must obey. And the Savior emphasizes that, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. And there is a simple statement here. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God referring, we could say in a twofold way, the kingdom of grace being part of God's kingdom on earth, uh, being part of that kingdom of grace and part of the Lord's people. But there is a greater kingdom, the kingdom of glory, uh, the kingdom of God, uh, the promised land, heaven. And the only way in which to enter into that kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, is through the new birth. And of course, Nicodemus questions this, verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And we know the answer to that question. You can't be born physically a second time. And so Nicodemus is being told that there's something spiritual that must be done. Being born again. Not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. And this is the only way in which a man can be saved. Uh, We refer to this as regeneration that act of God by which the principle of new life is implanted in man. You see, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2 tells us that, all of us. Dead in our trespasses and sins. Nothing we could do to save ourselves, to lift ourselves up, to change our ways. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing we could do And regeneration, the new birth, is that act of God by which the principle of new life, that new life through Christ, is implanted into us. And so, if we are not born again, there is no salvation. And there is no new birth. And this chapter is about the new birth. It is an important issue. There is much confusion today in Christendom regarding the new birth. Christianity has many opinions on the necessity of the new birth. Or as some say and teach, it is not essential at all. It's not something to worry about, but Christ says it. It is important. He teaches this to Nicodemus. He doesn't turn to Nicodemus and say, your learning is enough, your education is enough, your faith in the Jewish system, your role as a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. That's enough. Don't worry. Don't worry about the new birth. Don't worry about your sin. But Christ doesn't say that. He responds to who this man is by saying he must be born again. It is something that is important. Something that he had to do. And a new birth signifies a new beginning. A new beginning. Just the same way a birth signifies new life. Of course, we believe that that life starts at conception. It doesn't start when the baby is born. It starts at conception. But the birth does signify there is new life, new life entering out of the womb into this world and spiritual life. The new birth spiritually signifies this entering into life in Christ, a new birth, a new life, new life. Paul speaks to Titus and he says in Titus 3 verse 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. In Ephesians 2 verse 8, we see the words of the apostle, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are saved by grace. By grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And our salvation, our new birth, is through Christ. And through what Christ has done for us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, Paul says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And the new man is to be put on. We often think of New Year's resolutions. Well, we can do better. Man can do better. We can do better. We're not going to order that Coke at the restaurant that comes with half a dozen refills. We're going to cut back on that. We're going to cut back on another thing. We're going to do something more. We're going to come to church more. We're going to pray more. How often does that last? Man thinks he can do better. Man makes resolutions all the time. Man thinks he can reform himself. I've talked to individuals. I've heard individuals testify. They were in the depths of sin. They thought they can do better. They don't have to live like this. They can be a better person and they try and they fall short time and time again. They turn aside from the sin and then they relapse again into that sin and it continues to snowball and affect their life. Man thinks he can do better, but he cannot. Man needs changed by Christ and the old man must be put off for the new man. We see that in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 2 Corinthians five seventeen tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's new life with Christ. Dear unbeliever, that is the only way you can be saved tonight. To set your sin aside, you can't do that yourself. To know salvation And to know you're saved, you can't do that yourself. It is through Christ. The Savior tells Nicodemus here, ye must be born again. In the book of Ezekiel, the Lord says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And when an individual is saved and regenerated by the power of God, there is this great change. And this is what the Savior is talking about here. There's a great change, a new birth a new birth. And this command brings us to the necessity of the new birth, being born again by the Spirit of God. George Swinnock the Puritan said, except a man, let him pretend never so much. Let his performances be never so many. Let his privileges be never so great and his profession never so glorious. Yet if he be not born again, all these will do him little good for he can never see the kingdom of God. Talking about Nicodemus. All these things in his life would do him no good because he can never see the kingdom of God. And what of you tonight? What of you tonight? Are you a good person? The RCMP doesn't have a warrant out for your arrest. You can come here in peace knowing they're not going to knock on the door asking if you're here. You know that on the way home, you're not going to get a speeding ticket because you keep an eye on that speedometer and you're careful and you know, well, the speed is wrong, but it's also dangerous. It's dangerous for me. It's dangerous for others. When it comes to the stop sign, you're one of the rare people who actually stop and you obey that rule. Why? Because you're supposed to. It's safety. It's safety. And you desire in your life not to do anybody harm, to help others when you hear of those who are in distress, those who are struggling, those who need help. You're there to meet their needs and to do something for them. You're a good person. But yet, that is not enough for heaven because the Savior says to such a good person as this, man Nicodemus, you must be born again. There must be a change. There must be a change. And men can do good despite the depravity and sin in their hearts. Not good according to the righteous standard of God. But if you were in the hospital and there was a nurse who was not a Christian, they're going to help you. They're going to do good. Doesn't That does not mean that they earn favor with God for being good because... Salvation is not by works. But there are those in this world who seek to help others, yet in the sight of God, they're sinners. And those good works are like filthy rags, as the book of Isaiah tells us. Filthy rags in the Hebrew in the strongest possible sense. Disgusting, filthy. Not something you would want to touch or be around. And our good works are like that in the sight of God. They're not good enough. They're filthy because we have not been born again. And so there's a great need for you not to rely on your good works, not to rely on keeping the law of the land, not to rely on being a good person, but to rely upon Christ, to obey his command, a command that you must obey, ye must be born again. Because only the Saviour can change the state of your heart. Ephesians two tells us that those who were dead in trespasses and sins, and Paul there is speaking, those within the church at Ephesus who knew the Saviour or knew the gospel, they were before in this world dead, dead. You, quickened, by Christ and saved. But before that they were dead. And there was nothing they could do to earn salvation. But they were quickened. They were resurrected. They were regenerated. They experienced the new birth. And how marvelous that is. And when we read in Ephesians 2, the consequences of sin and the life of sin these people were in, we're reading that as a history, a past history of what they were. Because they had been changed and regenerated by the power of Christ. They needed to be changed. And tonight if you know not the Savior you need to be changed. No matter how good you may be. It is not good enough. And you must turn from sin. You must repent. You must experience this regenerating power of Christ. Because that is the only thing that can change you. And save you and redeem you from your sin. Notice here, secondly then, it is a command that cannot be frivolously ignored. Ye must be born again. We cannot just set this command aside or ignore it because as we've said, it is the most important command in this world. Nicodemus shows a little confusion here. Some would say he's being literal, he's being ludicrous, but he doesn't understand what is being said. He's trying to grasp what the Savior is saying. And Christ is speaking here of something that Nicodemus didn't know. Verse 5 Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There's a great kingdom here. We see the seriousness of Christ's kingdom, that cannot be ignored. Christ is instructing this man he came to him he fell short regarding the standard of holiness because he was a sinner and the Savior was dealing with his soul and telling him you must be born again Nicodemus this is something serious this is something you cannot ignore you cannot set aside and the importance of this commandment refers to eternal life and sins forgiven and we cannot just ignore it and if you are outside of Christ, you cannot just say, Well, I don't need to listen to this. I don't need to be born again. I don't need to trust in Christ. I don't need to repent of my sin and look to Him. This new birth that the Savior is speaking of here, I don't need it. Because if it is ignored and set aside, what if your soul, because it is the only way, The Savior says except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God except you experience the new birth you cannot see the kingdom of God. It's a serious thing that ought not to be set aside yet how many set aside the gospel? How many hear the great truth of salvation and hear that Christ saves and know they need to be saved but something holds them back or they ignore it And they put it off and put it off and put it off. And as human beings, we like to put things off. We like to put things off. Some things we maybe don't want to consider. Some things we don't like. We put it off. But yet the same can be true of salvation. Oh, I don't need it yet. And it's put off. There are things I want to do with my life. And it's put off. But yet we know how tragically and how quickly life can end. This is an imperative that cannot be ignored. Where do you stand before holy God? Do you know the new birth? Have you experienced it? Believer, what do you think of the gospel? What do you think of the Christ who saved you? This is a command that while you may have believed it, and cling to it. The need to spread it and evangelize and speak of Christ and His salvation is not to be ignored. We're to declare it. We're to evangelize as we saw this morning. We're to pray for the work of evangelism. We're to pray that men and women would come to Christ. We're to seek to do that In in ourselves as we witness and as we seek the Lord. George Schwinnick the Puritan said that without regeneration, men and women can never obtain salvation. Therefore, we're to declare it. We're to believe it. We're to declare it. We're not to set it aside. He or she who does not know the second birth will not escape. The second death, that great spiritual death, the book of Ezekiel says, "Cast away from you, from you all your transgressions whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit, for why will ye die, O house of Israel, A new heart is needed, a new birth. One oh, believer, why would you die? Why would you die in your sins? Because Christ and the new birth is rejected something that you need. But I want you to see here as well, thirdly and finally, it is a command that has a marvelous outworking. A command that has a marvelous outworking. The Lord Jesus says in verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. And then a new birth is worked by the Spirit of God. He is the one who works, as we see here, like the wind. And we see here the mystery of the wind. Where does it come from? What does it do? Where does it go? And the Savior says that so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. There is a mysterious working here of the Spirit of God. And we understand here salvation then is not through us. This work of regeneration is not through us. It is through the marvelous outworking of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God in regenerating a soul cleanses it like water. The filth is taken away. There is a washing. There is a washing. Oh, we need that washing. And the Spirit of God works in salvation. The Shorter Catechism asks the question, how does the Spirit apply to us the redemption purchased by Christ? The Spirit applies to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. And this work of the Spirit is an independent work. In verse 8, we see that the wind bloweth where it listeth. The word listeth is an old English word that means pleaseth or willeth. In other words, the wind bloweth where it wants to, where it determines to. The wind blows independent of us. If I was to stand outside and command the wind or move my arms to move the wind a different direction, it's not going to happen. The wind moves independently of me and the Spirit of God works independently. The Lord is not subject to any other power. We see here the sovereignty of God. He does what He pleases. The power of the wind is seen and the power of the Spirit is seen as well. We all know something of the power of the wind and the strength of the wind. I remember one time coming home to where we lived in Northern Ireland, at the same time as my parents, we got out of the car and we looked and there was a tent sitting there in our garden. And my parents said, is that your tent? I said, no, my tent is, my tent's in the garage. And we looked at each other And we looked up uh, because it had been a windy day and we assumed, well, it's not ours. Nobody's camping in our garden, so it must have come from the sky. And so uh, it came from the sky. I don't think we ever found out whose tent it actually was. My brother, who was young at the time, enjoyed playing in it. But uh, we had no idea where that tent came from. It just fell from the sky. It was the wind picking it up. But we know how the wind can do much greater things, how the wind affects the waves and the ocean and how uh, the wind moved those sailing ships of old and how uh, the wind uh, can move the vehicles and you drive along the road on a windy day and you feel the power of the wind and you're holding the vehicle on the road but you feel that wind trying to move the vehicle where well, you don't want it to go. We know the power of the wind. And oh, the power of the Spirit. It's a great power. It's a power that is independent. A power that is outside of man. Dear believer, when we think of salvation, let us remind ourselves of that. It is a work of God. It's not our work. We may witness We may present the gospel, we may pray, but the work of salvation is God's work and he is a powerful God. He's a saving God. And that work is independent of us. It's an inexhaustible work as well, an inexhaustible work. The work and power of the Spirit is sufficient to work in the souls of all those whom God has ordained to eternal life. The wind will stop and blow with different intensities. It's something that never ends. It may ease for a few days. It starts again. It's something that will never end. We won't wake up tomorrow to the news that the wind is blowing itself out and there's going to be no more wind ever in the history of the earth. It comes and it goes. It's inexhaustible. And so is the power of the Spirit. It does not exhaust itself. And that again is an encouragement, dear believer. The power of the Spirit for the work of Christ's church and for our sanctification and for the salvation of sinners. It's a power that never runs dry. It's a power that has strength. A power that never exhausts itself. It is an indispensable work. It is a needed work. It is absolutely essential to the new birth. Oh, it is not a new birth that is of man, but it is of the Spirit. The Spirit is essential. One of the old theologians said that he originates the new life. He guides it in its development. And speaking of the Spirit in all of this, he leads it to his destiny. It is a work in which the Spirit is indispensable. It's also an indisputable work. We cannot see the wind, but we feel its power. We see it in regard to the effects around us. We cannot physically see the work of the Spirit. We cannot see the Spirit working, for the Spirit is Spirit. But the genuine work of the Spirit of God within the heart is something we can see. If a man experiences the new birth, then there will be evidence that that work is real and genuine within his life it will be abundantly clear that the Spirit of God is at work. Sanctification will be seen. It will not be something that is hidden. And when a man is truly saved by the Spirit of God, there'll be a change. There'll be sanctification. There'll be a desire for the Lord. There will be a life that is changed. And if you know that individual before their salvation, you'll see that change. And as they grow in grace... You will not see the spirit working within them but you will see the effect of the spirit as they are sanctified by the grace of God it is a irresistible work man has no power over the wind he has no power over the spirit it's a work that cannot be resisted the spirit of God is powerful and here the savior says this new birth it's all to do with the spirit How marvelous that is, dear believer, that we know that when we evangelize, when we desire God to work in the lives of individuals, that genuine work is a work of the Spirit. It can't be disputed. It's irresistible. It's a real work. It's a real work. Dear unbeliever, when you come to Christ for salvation, when you know His Spirit working within you to save you, it's a real thing. It's a real thing, a life-changing thing. Except a man be born again, he will remain in darkness. He will not see the kingdom of God. He will remain in spiritual destitution outside the kingdom of God. He'll remain in his deadness. But yet the work of the Spirit enables him to see the kingdom of God. All who go to heaven must go through Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. And when we think of the marvel of the new birth, the marvel of regeneration, it promotes humble prayer, does it not? Thankfulness to God for all that he has done. It's not of us. It's of him. It counters any pride we might have. It overthrows our self-righteousness because it's not through us, it's through Christ. It's a God-glorifying comfort. We see the importance of depending upon the Spirit of God and seeking His working within our lives for sanctification. It's an encouragement to good works. And the new birth, in all that it does, in all the change it wroughts within our lives, it glorifies God. Oh, do we desire to see the Lord move and regenerate in power within our congregation, within our area? for the glory of God, because He alone is the Savior. Dear unbelievers, we close. You must be born again. You must believe in the Savior. You must obey this command. Turn from sin. Trust in Christ. Know that regenerating power of the Spirit of God. Something you can't do. Something you can't do, but the Savior does. Look to Him. Look to Him alone. For he is the only way of salvation. As we see in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is all of God. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank thee for thy goodness and grace toward us. We thank thee for what we see here regarding the new birth. We thank Thee, that Thou hast not left salvation to us, and in our strength. We pray that would be an encouragement to those outside of Christ; they cannot earn salvation. It may be an exhortation for them to come to the Saviour alone. Father, may it be encouraging for us as Thy people to think in these things once again, that salvation is of the Lord. And therefore, O God, as we seek to evangelize and pray and evangelize, as we saw this morning, we're praying for a work of God. Not for a work of man, but for Thee to work in salvation. We thank Thee that the genuine work of Thy Spirit, it's a powerful work. It is a work that is essential. It is a work that cannot be resisted. It is indisputable as to the great evidence that we can see. And Father, we pray for this work. We pray for this work within families in our congregation who know not the Savior, families with loved ones outside of Christ. Father, we do not desire a mere profession of faith, mere words, but we desire the work of the Spirit of God, circumcising the heart and creating a new heart, a heart that lives for the Lord. Lord, come and move Uh, within this congregation, we pray. Move in our area. Oh, how many, countless numbers need to experience the new birth. They must be born again. Oh, Lord, give us the desire to reach them, the zeal to reach them. But we pray that that work of grace, that work of thy spirit would be done in their hearts. Oh, Father, may we rest upon thee. Salvation. Is of the Lord. And we pray for thee to work and to move in these days. Father, part us with thy blessing. Bring us to homes in safety. Be with us this week. Give us opportunities to evangelize. Give us that desire to pray and to pray for thy blessing, to pray for all men, to pray for those who are in authority over us, to pray for their souls. Lord, may we glorify thee this week. And may the love of God, our Father, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide with us both now and forevermore. Amen.